0: Can you hear me? All right, very good. Uh, man, I was enjoying you all coming in. I was enjoying the worship, uh, and I absolutely forgot that I need this. And so I came out, started walking down, and went. had to run back. So that was the pause. Thank you, Eric, for uh, uh, taking care of business with the kids. And so we're going to dive into to the message. So I, first of all, I want to say I, I know there's some folks who are at home because of the cold, And uh, because they just didn't feel safe, and so I'm thankful we have this that that they could join us uh, this way uh, today. And and uh, I had a call from Bob Hyatt, Bob Darlene. Many of you know who they are, and uh, it was good to talk to them. And he said we're just going to stay inside. I said thank you. You know, especially at their age, I I don't want any falls, and and to be safe. Uh, But I will always always love being together. I, I say that often, right? I love being together. That's why this past year has been kind of a pain. Huge pain. I will just say it. It's huge pain. And, and you're with me on that. I know. Virus and, and uh, other things. Weather will come and go. Uh, now with, with the streaming, we now have this new policy. No, I'm, I, I'm not declaring a new policy, but I think it ought to be a policy. Man, if you could get here, we're going to be here. If you can't get here safely, stay at home. Uh, and, and I know there's times in the past, we even said it when it was out and we didn't have the streaming. We had 18 people here and we worshiped that day, right? And I, we have more than 18 here. It is good to see you folks that are here. And, and I'm glad that those who are streaming are joining us as, as well. Phrase that, that you're all familiar with is whatever it takes. That's the title of my sermon today, whatever it takes. Are you familiar with that? Uh, someone who might be pursuing a, a career. Might be saying whatever it takes. Someone who's involved in sports, uh, you know, I'm, it, it's not just about playing the game, it's about training, and, and so maybe they have that same uh, kind of thought of whatever it takes. I saw a young boy, uh, caddy corner to us here a couple days ago, single-digit weather out shooting baskets. Why? I've done that before. When I was younger, you know, young and dumb. Uh, was out and and the ball does not dribble and it's hard, and but I, you're out there shooting baskets. So because you love the game and you want to, man, if I can make baskets out here in this weather, I can make it anywhere. Kind of, it might be that idea. But anyway, whatever it takes. And and in chapter nine, that's where we are. Chapter nine of First Corinthians. You read through that, and I, I will challenge you. We're not going to read every verse today, just because of its length. I, I would challenge you just to read through chapter 9 if you haven't already in preparation for today. I would challenge you to read through there and just listen to Paul. And, and, and much throughout the chapter, you hear Paul. He, he never says whatever it takes, but you'll hear what he says. Paul has a whatever it takes attitude in this, in this, uh, in this chapter. Whatever it takes. I, it really is the theme that, that comes throughout. Uh, matter of fact let, let me read for you just verse 12 to begin with this morning to show you what i mean here's how paul says in verse 12 in his discussion that we'll talk about later he says if others have this right to support uh, uh, of support from you shouldn't we have it all the more then paul says but we did not use this right on the contrary We put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Paul's whatever-it-takes attitude was focused on spreading, protecting, and delivering to the lost the message of Jesus, that gospel message. Paul had a whatever-it-takes attitude when it came to winning the lost. And we're going to see it in chapter... Chapter nine. I'm 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 excited about this. And I, I want to start this way. Whenever I prepare, and, and this is what if we sit down to say, Well, how do I read the Word of God? How do I study the Word of God? The one one basic uh, we we'll call it hermeneutic or, or means of studying the scripture is your pursuit is always going to be the author's intended meaning. What he meant it to say, that ought to be what you're looking for, not what I feel it is, right? Have you been in a Bible study that everybody goes around the circle and say, this is what I feel he's talking about? That, that's, not good. that's not a good way to study the Bible. You're, you're in pursuit of what the author means. And so in, in the context, it's all important. Like chapter 8, what were we talking about? Oh, is meat sacrificed to idols and in Paul's talking he said man it, it is about loving that that's important but in chapter 10 I'll give you a, just a preview in chapter 10 he comes along and says really there's other re- another reason why you shouldn't be eating meat sacrificed to idols in the temple you shouldn't be doing that and so he it's it, this this message of Paul saying whatever it takes right in between in chapter 9 w- what's he doing is Is Paul laying this out so he could say, well, here's my example, follow it? And he's not. Paul actually, remember, Paul is answering, as we've seen in in previous verses, Paul is answering questions that's being laid down by the Corinthians. And and, and so it, it, it looks like, Especially the way he begins. He begins by saying, am I not free? Am I not apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the the Lord? To begin with, we need to know that Paul is laying out a defense. Partly about his apostleship, his authority as an apostle. So, So some kind of a question that came from the Corinthians, it's not stated. But Paul needs to lay out his authority. And he lays, out his, his, he lays out in this chapter, this is why Paul's an apostle. Now, to us, I don't know whether any of us has any questions whether Paul was an apostle or not. I think we're convinced that Paul was significant. We know about his, uh, how Jesus confronted him on the road there and, and, and called him to ministry. And we know and are secured in, in a lot of his writings that he is an apostle. So, this morning, I don't want that to be our direction. Later on, Paul does give an a directive as he wraps this up. And, and the, the truth is, Paul's uh, whatever-it-takes attitude is towards what God called him to do. Whatever it takes, man, I'm going to fulfill what God called me to do. We're going to hear that. And, and for the church, uh, we're called to do. We're called to, to go into this world and make disciples of all nations, all peoples. And and that was Jesus' commission to the church overall. So, I, I want us as we go through this chapter nine, nine, as as Paul is building the defense for for himself as an apostle and and to reveal his attitude and and why he does what he does. That that we ought to to at least be able to look at Paul, who is an apostle, different from us, and and be encouraged to do the same. Matter of fact, I lay out. This, this uh, focus, that, that we must foster. We're using that word. We must foster within us the desire to win as many people as possible. Uh, partly because, man, he delivered such a message, and it's precious to us, right? And he loved us so much that, that we ought to do it. And, and so there ought to be a desire there, but it's also because he commanded us. He commanded us. Easy task? No. Listen to. Let's listen to Paul. Uh, first point I want to make that that I believe Paul lays out is, is this: that making personal sacrifice is worth reaching the lost. Making personal sacrifice. is is worth reaching the lost, and we need to know that. I mean, sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable in the decisions we make in order for us to reach the lost. Now, let me go back to chapter 9 and and talk just a little briefly about the verses we're not going to read. I encourage you to read these, but again, I read that first verse to you. First of all, he established his authority. One of the reasons for his authority is because, hey, listen, you people are believers because of the authority I've been given and the gospel I delivered to you. You you are Christians because I am an apostle. That's one of his his defenses. Then Paul, from from that verse all the way through 14, begins to build a defense for paying preachers. Or paying those in ministry. Uh, Just to give you an example. Verse 7 says. Who who serves a soldier at his own expense? Uh, Who who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and doesn't eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Uh, Do I say this merely on human authority? Uh, the law says hey don't muzzle the ox while it's treading the grain Uh, he said that's not just for the ox that's for you to know that someone who is working needs to you know receive support or a reward not not a reward but but payment probably best for for their services Matter of fact, jump to verse 14 where he says, In the same way the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So, in the first four, 14 verses, he builds and establishes this, this idea that ministers who are investing their lives in ministry, who are, who are delivering the gospel message, should be paid. Again, read that later on, but, but I'm, that, that's the point he makes. Now, in part, I want to step off and, and just say, uh, those in ministry should receive financial re- support. I'm challenging my thinking because h- how do you decide what that is? Let's go in rate, whatever it is. And, and I know we're building budget. And I, I do believe that, that uh, uh, those ministers around us ought to be approached by those building the budget and say, man, are you... Are you being supported? Are you hindered any way in doing your ministry because of finances? In one case, yeah, you can investigate. Well, is it because I'm trying to buy a jet right now? Or I'm trying to buy a speedboat. Maybe there's a little extreme expenses there. But, but you know, that's okay if you're investigating. There ought to be the question and, and saying, how, how's the roof? Are, are, are you able to take care of the things around your house? Are you, are you able to lay food on your table? Are you able to clothe your family? is there anywhere where you're being hindered that ought to be considered and in man maybe we need to increase because we don't want any any one of our ministers uh, this is hard because i'm included in that we don't want any and i'm doing fine uh we don't want anybody we don't want eric we don't want matthew anyone that we're supporting to be hindered from doing what we want them to do we want eric here we want Matthew here. We want him out there. We want them ministering and teaching. And we don't want the family to be hindered and doing without. So that, that, I, that's just the responsibility of the church. Now, let's get back to this. In 9, Paul says, remember in, in, in verse 12, in chapter, chapter 9, he says, On the contrary, we, we, put, uh, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ." He says, we didn't use this right. Uh, first verses, he, he said, man, uh, don't, don't we as apostles, uh, talking about uh, himself and Barnabas, he says, don't, don't we deserve to eat and drink? The answer is yes. Don't, don't we deserve to, to, to be married, have, have a family? The answer is yes. I mean, like the other apostles. And, and don't we deserve to be paid for what we do? And the answer is yes. That, Paul lays that out. But then he goes to verse 12 and says, We haven't accepted this right. So what's Paul thinking? Remember, whatever it takes, Paul's attitude, whatever it takes, listen as I read, begin reading verse 15. He says, But I have not used any of these rights. Matter of fact, we know in in chapter 7, Paul says, Hey, I wish all of you were like me, meaning he's unmarried. It's not a command. If you're going to get married, marry. If if you need to be married, marry. But Paul says, I wish a lot of you were like I was. Unmarried. Why? Because my full focus is upon God, my full focus is upon the gospel. Uh, That's his life, that's his family, is the church. Paul is unique. I don't want to take away from what Paul's saying here, because he, he is going to the extreme. Still, there's things that we can learn and even be encouraged that maybe we could add to our own lives, even though that we might have families and responsibilities. There, man, our, our call is the same: win the lost, right? But Paul, listen. Let me continue. I just read part of that. Um, I'm gonna have to go back and read it. Uh, but I have not used any of these rights. And I am not writing this in hope that you will do such things for me. For I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. Hold on to that boast. What what boast is he talking about? For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast. So it's not about his preaching. Since I am compelled to preach, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul, Jesus said, you're going to go take my gospel to the Gentiles. I mean, directly commissioned. And again, he is an apostle, saw Jesus. He is a significant individual. I preach voluntarily. I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I I, I simply am discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge. And so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Uh, again, Paul is significant in this passage. Paul is significant. What, what boasting do you think Paul ever has? What, what boasting? It, it's not about, man, what a fine preacher I am. That's not, you, we know Paul. That's not Paul. What is his boasting? I, I, I believe, and he said this elsewhere, his boasting is in Christ. His boasting is found all over his message of what we have. Do we have a reason to boast? Not in anything we've done. Absolutely not. Uh, matter of fact, if I, if I had anything to boast about, well, no, I am worthy of condemnation. I'm sinful. But, but here's Jesus. There's my boasting. He, he has made this available. And, and if anything, I'm his child, but I want you to understand how I became his child. It is absolutely through everything that Jesus did for me. I think that's Paul's boasting. When he boasted, you know, he spoke about the things that he was able to do, and he he was uh, embarrassed by having to do that in one of his letters. But he said, when I boast, I boast in Jesus. Don't you love that? I love that. So why was Paul so successful in in, in starting churches and, and moving forward with the gospel? Because he boasted in Jesus. Jesus was his heart. That gospel was his life. It was his focus. I, I mean, we're there, right? Uh, we're, we're here to celebrate what Jesus did for us. We'll celebrate here in a little bit, uh, you know, in taking those emblems. Because it is a celebration. It is our heart. It is our life. It is, and Paul, to Paul, it was, it was sacrifice. And matter of fact, do you think it was really difficult for Paul? I mean, the way he's expressing it. He even said, I'm not saying this so you'll start supporting me. I don't want that. I will reject that because there's nothing greater than, than what God has given me to do, and that's delivering the gospel. Man, what a great attitude, right? And, and we, could, we could look at that and say, man, what can we glean from Paul? Are you with me? What can we glean from Paul? Let's go on to verse 2, I mean, to, to the second point I have this morning. And that is, introducing people to Jesus may require adjustments to my life. Ooh, <laughs> Listen to how Paul says this, how how he adjusts. Matter of fact, even chameleon-like, we'll say. Here's how he says it. Verse 19 says, though I am free and belong to no one. That's in Christ, right? Though I'm free and I belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. There's his heart, whatever it takes, Right? I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Do you hear it? Do you hear it in there? Whatever it takes, Paul's attitude. Whatever it takes. Uh, Again, just to repeat some of the things he says, Paul made himself a slave to everyone. He became all things to all people to save as many as people. Uh, To the Jews... To the Jews, man, he knew their customs. He knew their customs. He grew up uh, as as a Pharisee and knew everything. So it was was probably easy to go into a Jewish home and to observe the the customs, the washings, and sitting at the table and knew what he was going to be eating, and he wasn't going to complain about any of it. And, and to those who, it, it, then it expresses to those who know the law and live under the law, you know, there, there were those who were Gentiles, who were proselytes, you know, and probably had to, to refer to Jews and then also refer to those who, who were seeking to honor God through the Jewish laws. He too would just enter their home and with that same kind of attitude. But then absolutely a reverse when you go into a Gentile home, you know, those pagans, you know, they're going to eat steak and roast beef, and, and, and delicious, delicious things. And Paul would sit at the table and partake and, and, and not be stressed about the law. How does that translate to you and I? Got to be, we really need to be careful about this. But I think that Paul, in laying this out, also lays out some cautions because Paul never compromised his relationship with God. Paul never compromised what he was called to do. Paul never compromised the righteousness who he was called to. Understand? And keep that, hold on to that. He said in verse 21, uh, you know, when, he, when he was before those who were focused on the law, he, okay, he said, I, I wasn't under the law. He was speaking about the gospel. He, he would let the Jews know, this is not my salvation. My obedience in what I eat and, and following these things, he was clear. I don't, I don't believe that he hid anything. He spoke clearly about what his where his salvation came from, and he gave him opportunity to speak about Jesus. And then he opened the I could imagine with the Jews he opened the scriptures and said Jesus is the fulfillment of the Messiah. But but he he got in the door. How did he get in the door? By observing and and coming alongside of those Jews or those who were observers of the law. But the Gentiles, the Gentiles who didn't know the Scriptures, he would come in and build relationship. And, and I, he was careful about, about anything that was unrighteous. He wouldn't be going into the temples, as he said in chapter 8, and, uh, to observe with the weaker brothers. You know, he stayed, but he would, he would enter into a home, and he would have you know, the steak and, and, and whatever was laid on the table. It wasn't a hindrance anymore. Boy, as a Pharisee, it would have been a long time ago, but no more, because he's no longer under that law. Now, he's under the law of God, he said, and I'm under that law of Christ. What is that? Jesus broke it down real simple. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love others. That's, That's the law I'm living under. So, How how does that translate? How does that break down to to what we need to do? How do we apply that? You know, I I think quickly about Linda, who's hostess in our house. You know, she loves to do that, and we have new folks coming into our home. And so part of that is asking questions. Are you a vegetarian? (laughs) Are are there any concerns about what you're eating? Are you gluten-free? All of a sudden, Linda has to change the kind of menus and make sure that she has different things. And then that's just simplicity. Is, is what is it? You know, where, where are you coming from? And, and we care about that in order that they might come in our door. Or we have the opportunity to go into our door. I might go into a home of people who don't eat meat. And so I'm going to enjoy Linda, I'm trying to remember what some of the meat, we make fun of it all the time. The meatless kind of, it's, they make it look like meat, they make it taste like meat, it's not meat. It's beans and other things, right? But, but it lay it out before me, and, and forgive me if anyone's a vegetarian and loves that stuff, I didn't mean to be insulting, okay? I really didn't mean to be insulting. But you know, I guess I revealed kind of the direction I go in. But can I enter into a home and sit down with a vegetarian and enjoy a meal? I, I can, I can. See, I, it is about having conversation. It is being sensitive, and thoughtful where the person I'm trying to reach. Maybe it's my neighbor, who does some different things. We have a, a person in our neighborhood who has painted their house. A different color, a bright color. And, and it just doesn't look like all the other houses, but their culture that they come from, man, that's what they do. And, and so it's not like, I, I'm not going to treat them like, oh, what'd you paint your house like that for? But I love those people. It's opportunity. Yeah. It really is this idea of whatever it takes. Some things that my neighbors do or might make me uncomfortable. Asking why. You know, what are you eating? Why, why are you doing that? And, and, and understanding, can I come alongside of my neighbor and love my neighbor? I, I think that's Paul's attitude. Is that right? Paul's attitude, depending on where he went, he just became chameleon-like. Did not compromise. I think that's important to say. Did not go to the places that he used to go to because that's where the unsaved are. I'll find other places. There's places I don't need to be in. You know, some, some places that, that would be a temptation and, and also a detriment if anybody saw me there kind of thing. I need to be thinking. And, and, and Paul's thinking was about what? Kingdom. Paul's thinking was about gospel and whatever it takes. Listen, now here's where he really connects and throws us in and, and makes one statement that says, man, be involved in this. Uh, and this comes in in that place where he's speaking about how how he himself i believe what he's saying is he's perf- purposeful. Uh, the, the third point be purposeful in planning and training to win the lost. Be purposeful. You know, know that we have this command, know that we have this purpose, let's prepare. Let's get ready. Not years. <laughs> Let, let's, let's prepare. Let's, how, how do I do this? How, do, how can I uh, begin to express it? That's Paul's attitude. Listen to what he says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize. Then he says, then he says, in a way of, of, of uh, a command or here, here's the direction you take, run in such a way as to get the prize. There it is, the one sentence, Run, you run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Now, remember, Corinth was a, one of the places where they held these uh, uh, pan-olympics pan kind, of, kind of thing going on, where they would all come and, and compete. Uh, and, and so he's using this, this imagery that we're all so aware of when it comes to athletes. You train They do it to get a crown that will not last, something that's just going to go away. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Again, think about the gospel. Are we looking for crowns? But the spreading of a gospel... That As Paul finds it as the place to boast, it's the place where we find joy. It's the place where we find not only has that grace changed me, that grace is changing the people I know and the people I'm connecting with. I'm, I'm able, through what God has given me, to change others' lives. I believe that has some kind of a, an amazing connection to the crown that we, we will wear I believe that has everything to do with a crown. I'm not looking for something to adorn my head. I'm looking for the folks where God was able to use me and and, and maybe those people around me in order to to connect people to Jesus. I I, I believe that's part of that crown. Anyway, uh, let's go. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer... uh, Beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. That's a pretty strong statement at the end. Paul was given a commission, Paul was given a responsibility, and he is about doing whatever it takes. Are you with me? Paul, Paul, throughout, did you hear it throughout this chapter 9? Man, whatever it takes, I, I'm going to forego my rights, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sacrifices, I'm, gonna, I'm going to adjust my life, and, and, and I, I'm going to go into strict training and preparation in order to deliver the message of Christ. In that, I, th- I just think about some of the words that, that come to mind, the things like uh, self-discipline. We know what it is to train, we know what it is to, to prepare, self-discipline. Uh, how, how well are we getting acquainted with the word? Are we getting acquainted with the word to where we could share with others? Uh, are, 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 have you ever sat down and said, this is my salvation story? We've talked about that before. What great place to start in sharing with somebody else but by your own story. Here's what Jesus did for me. That's part of your boasting. Here's what Jesus, man, here's who I am truthfully. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve. And yet, God sent Jesus, and here's who I am now. And we're going to blame God all day long, and Jesus is going to get the credit for it, not me. Wow, what, what an amazing Savior in Jesus. So, so it's being able to tell your own story. Self-discipline is part. Learning to be sacrificial, learning to be sacrificial, giving up some things in order to, to reach others. I mean, we, I, I'm going to move into this great, beautiful neighborhood, uh, but, but instead maybe I'll find a neighborhood that I could reach some people who are around me. I, I wanna, I, instead of being so concerned about the house and, and, and all that's there, I'm going to move into this area because I believe there's a lot of lost people in this neighborhood. I, that's sacrificial, isn't it? I'm just throwing out ideas you, you folks could be thinking, and you're, you're already, I mean, it's clicking up here, and you've already had some thoughts going in directions. What can we do? Because I think it's also innovative. I think Paul was innovative. Man, making those adjustments, it's thinking through, how, how can I reach others? In, in my past, you know, I remember uh, reaching a guy because he called me one day and said, uh, uh, man, I, I want to go golfing. I hated golf. I thought it was the dumbest game in the world. And and but but he invited me to go take lessons with him. I took lessons. I play golf now. And and I with that guy, we played golf a lot. And I love that guy. He's part of the church. And and Matthew, you know, I, Matthew did the same thing with with Kevin Dickinson. How's he around because they had the same love for hunting and they made a connection. And then they talked about Jesus. And and some of you are here because of sports and school. You got Got built, started building relationships with people in the church. I mean, so how can we use that? I mean, kids in, this kids in school, man, use that. Use the sports to get acquainted with other families, uh, activities. Man, what we always found that as a great opportunity. You know, when my kids they were involved in sports, we met lots of families through that and opportunities to build relationships with people in order for us to connect them with Christ. I mean, innovative, think, you know, what can we do? There's all kinds of programs. Uh, I saw, talked to a, a lady who's heading up the Boys and Girls Program. I know that's an older program. They're getting sharper and better, and I was really interested and in talked to a lady, I think her name was Michelle, uh, who's over uh, Boys and Girls Program. You know, is that an opportunity? Well, that's a little bit of sacrifice. It'll take a little bit of time. yeah. <laughs> Go back to the sacrifice. Be innovative. Foster care. We've talked about that. What an opportunity. What an opportunity to bring someone into your home. Maybe it's opening your home to someone who has a need, right? And why would you ever do that? Except, man, I want you to know Jesus so much. I want you to know the saving grace that's there. So, uh, man, we're thinking we're praying, God, give, a, give me an opportunity, open a door, so that, Lord, Lord, I could become something that somebody needs, that someone, you know, as that door opens, I might be able to share with them the gospel, or it might come even in, in maybe a chance circumstance where they're talking about an issue that, man, I'm ready to talk to you about, you know, what happens after death, or, or what's happening in our nation let me direct that to the kingdom that I'm a part of that is forever that's eternal is, is your minds clicking are you thinking the circumstances if anything just may, add this as part of your prayer God I want to win souls I want to start praying for names list neighbors list family members and, you, and some of you are already doing that and give me an opportunity Lord train prepare become what god has called us as a church to do may paul be that example to us whatever it takes man to to, to hold on to that again paul is is single doesn't have a family so there's concerns but we have but there's no way that we could walk away and not be challenged by paul saying whatever it takes how can i use my family how can i encourage my wife how can i encourage my kids to tell others about jesus are you with me Oh, man, what a privilege. One thing is to be saved through God's grace, right? What a privilege to be used by God to introduce the lost to Jesus. Amen? Isn't that right? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you. For Paul, we thank you, Lord, for so many who have connected and even those beyond this period of time of the New Testament, who were faithful in delivering and, and, and holding the truths of your Scripture to continue that. Even today, Lord, we're gathering together, worshiping Jesus, listening to Paul, and, and watching your church work in this world and being a part of that. God, we pray that your kingdom will come, that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.